1: everyone. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best the podcast. We're back for episode three, which I won't I won't always give the number of episodes, but I feel like it's just so fun that we're back again.
2: Amazing. Episode three.
1: Yay. So I'm I'm really, really excited to be here with you to have this conversation because I think it's going to be intense but really helpful and just really good to get it all out because it's it's up for us. It's up for so many people. We've gotten a lot of requests from people to talk about this over the past year or so. And I think it's time to just dive on into it.
2: Yeah, we actually rearranged our schedule today to put this one in because so many people are messaging us about it. So yeah, I am. I'm excited to talk about it too. I think it's going to be Sounds so cryptic.
1: But today we really (laughs) wanted to dive into the topic of body image and how we talk about bodies and and the language that we use in talking about bodies and the judgments that we have and really just how society and standards have really molded the conversation between people and the conversation that we have within ourselves about body image. So to start, I just wanted to give a little bit of like a trigger warning because, you know, we are going to be talking about some sensitive topics about body and eating disorder and things like that. So if that's a topic that's a little too sensitive for you, you can just tune out and check us next time. But I think it's going to be a really good conversation because you and I both have a lot of experiences that have really impacted our lives regarding this topic. And, I mean, (laughs) I think the reason why it came up for us this week is, is you had such a wild experience with this this week. In twenty twenty two this happened to you.
2: Yeah, it's really crazy. And I think what I'm so excited about talking about this today, um, yes, it came up for us, but also this is a really for me and I'm gonna share my experiences and you will as well, Michelle, but for the me, this is like, this is everything. I think this has such a powerful effect on our lives and our psyche and the choices we make and the people we become. And it's just that powerful. I think body image, we kind of say body image but it's like it, it for me it's the most powerful thing so yes it
1: is and i i we say body image but it's so much like you yeah. said it impacts everything and i don't even know what the title would be but i
2: know i don't either i know it's true <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe after this we'll figure it out yeah, But maybe
2: you all the, up there can help us too because i think it really is powerful and it's hard it was hard for me to digest the other day really the short of it was um i'm tell do, us I'm,
1: take us I'm, back <laughs>
2: I'm redoing some of my closets in my house. And so we went to a closet, um, place and we're sitting there, uh, Michelle and me and a good friend of ours. We're sitting there and in the middle, like the middle of the presentation out of the blue,
1: literally this person was like, and for this closet, we will be doing this mm-hmm. dead pans, turns to her and goes.
2: And he says, wow, you got skinny. No, really? You got skinny. You were much larger when I saw you last time, right? You got skinny. You oh, look you look great. really good. You look great. And I remember kind of being.
1: I literally was like, are we in an alternate universe of. And also, we should say that this was a man who said this to you, yes. which I think matters in this context because it had a layered effect of like what all that meant mm-hmm. for you. Well, at least for me, yeah, being a witness no. to it. But.
2: Yeah, no for me too, especially when we continue with the podcast and I hear more of the story, but it is it is really I mean I'm a 65-year-old woman and in my mind to think of a man saying that to me, saying that to anyone, any 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 woman, man, whatever is just so inappropriate, but in that context and out of the blue and and so like it was normal. That was, like this is this is I'm I'm actually his whole attitude was I'm I'm paying you a compliment.
1: It was pretty jarring. Yeah. I mean, so much so, obviously, we're still talking about it today. Right. Um, but I think it it stems to open up a really great conversation about this as to, you know, to your point that it's not okay to say those kinds of things and why and why are we kind of influenced to talk about people's bodies in that way? And even that he you, you said he probably thought he was giving you a compliment, but it's not a compliment.
2: Well, because I think that's why I ended with you look great. And no, I, I don't, I, I, well, this is another topic maybe for another podcast along with the body image thing, but what, what, what you just said, Michelle, what possesses someone to think that that is okay to say I, I, and how they, they would even think that that would be a compliment. So I think that is, that is why it is so important to understand what society does to us, especially as women and our bodies, and how we're supposed to look, and what they think is okay, and what they think is a compliment, um, is pretty extraordinary, I think.
1: It is, and certainly thinking about, you're a 65-year-old woman, I'm, I'm 36 years old, and as you and I have talked about this topic, it was really fascinating to me to think about that this is something that really touches, basically, I don't think I know anyone who hasn't been impacted by body image or body shaming or feeling pressure to look a certain way and have that that um, loop in your mind go round and round and round. And it really came to my realization a couple of years ago, actually, when we were on a retreat pre-pandemic um, with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach. And someone stood up and asked a question about she was in recovery for eating disorder and she she was sharing that um, she was wondering if she was ever not going to feel the pressure about food and body image and, and how she could get past that because she's still in recovery, but she still had the thoughts. And when she said that, I thought to myself, well, I experienced that. I really can't wait to hear what they have to say. And they, Glennon and Abby, both responded with, well, we both experienced that too. Is there anybody here, does anybody else here experience that? And basically every person in the room raised their hands. And it was in that moment where I was like, okay, this is like major. And if you think about how much time, effort, and energy every single person, a lot of women, because this was a mostly women's group, experience putting in so much of their mental energy into thinking about food and weight and image and being quote-unquote perfect, it takes up a lot of time and effort. And it just it struck me because... Thinking about all of the possibilities of what we could do if we weren't so worried about that stuff. So that was really like a, a big awakening for me that this is something that nobody, I think, escapes.
2: No, it's universal, and I think you're right. All of our, a lot of our energy goes toward trying to please or trying to fit into the mold or trying to be that whatever that perfect looking person, perfect weight, perfect whatever. Um, and the mind is thinking about it more often than we than we care to even realize I think we I, it, we're, you know we're so numb to it I think because it's such a normal thing about the mind thinking about that and when she posed that question it was a really good question am I ever not gonna care about this or not think about this? And I have to say you know the mind is a really tricky thing so I would have to say probably not, but you can you cannot listen to it. You can become what I always call the boss of your own mind and thoughts are going to come in your mind. you have no control over what thoughts come in. And we've been so conditioned, like you've been so conditioned to, to think about body image and to think about how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to, what weight we're supposed to be or whatever it is or whatever is acceptable to whoever out there is judging us. Um, so I, I think I put my energy into um, being in, in control over what I'm going to listen to and, uh, and believe and agree with instead of trying to stop the thoughts from coming in because I don't think that that's possible.
1: It's true, and you and I were talking a lot about this before we hit the record button, but the body and beauty standards are so subject, subjective. They change all the time, and it's it's depending on who's the biggest influence in that moment in time. It could be one thing or another. So I think it's important to note that society tends to dictate to us what we think we're supposed to look like. And we're always listening to that noise. And I think especially after these few years of a pandemic where we've been mostly at home, a lot of our you know, schedules have changed. Maybe we're not, maybe we didn't work out as much. Maybe our eating habits changed. Maybe we were just so busy, we didn't have time to take care of ourselves in the way that we would like to. And so that combined with being online so much and digesting content online and seeing you know, very um, curated images of people, edited images of people. There's, I think, the comparison and, and all of that really went into overdrive for a lot of people. You know, with filters on social media, with Photoshop, with, with everything, it's really, really hard to separate what's real and what's not and to not compare yourself to what you see online.
2: And I think to back up just a second when you were saying, you know, during the pandemic, maybe we weren't doing some of the things we would have liked. I would also like to add, maybe we decided to cut ourselves some slack and not do it. You know, and that's what I want to say for people out there, everyone listening to this, it, it is perfectly okay for you to decide to, you know, eat the cupcake after lunch or whatever it is. It's perfectly okay to not be so hyper vigilant about that and to decide, you know what, I'm just not going to pay attention today. I'm not going to care. I, I think that's what I've been learning so much during this pandemic even more is that we're the boss of our own lives. And the idea that we try to set a standard to to serve whatever society is telling us is right and wrong, I think is one of our biggest issues and one of the, the biggest obstacles that we have in trying to live a more mindful life that's in alignment with who we are and what we want.
1: Well, I think too that in these past couple of years, there's been so much that's been out of our control. And I think this aspect of not doing our habits or routines that we're used to made people feel even worse. And, you know, we talk so much about mental health and how these years have impacted people mentally. It's just a lot to take in. And I think a lot of people, at least I've hear, heard from a lot of people, I know from my own personal experience, it's just been tough.
2: Yeah, I think that's why it's up right now.
1: It's up. Mm-hmm. So I think... What would be great is if you could share a little bit about, you know, your own personal experience going way, way, way back with body image and eating disorder because you've had such a long history with it and I think your story is really powerful. And I'm, I know you've talked about it a lot, but I think it's important to share it here.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm happy to because I agree with you. It, um, it really... Signifies how important what we say um, matters, and yes. we can think that some things that are being said, like what that what that person said to me yesterday, if if I wasn't a healthy in recovery, <laughs> having a practice for thirty seven years, it could have sent me off in a in a real tailspin. I mean, it could have sent me down a downward spiral of of objectifying and, and really disliking myself and thinking that something was wrong with me because that's what happened to me back when I was 22 years old. I was, um, you know, my whole story is, you know, when I was at a very, very young age, I started working at McDonald's and then at at a really young age, I ended up owning my own restaurants. And so I was in one of the restaurants at 22 years old one day and my supervisor came in and he was bringing me an award because I had won um, an award for running, the, you know, the best McDonald's or whatever. Of course. And I remember he he came up to me and he was handing me the reward, uh, the award, and he said, "Barbara, we just we love the work you're doing. We think you're just so incredible." So remember, this is way back in 1976. So there were very few women in a position like I was in in owning my own store, but also. You know, running it at such a such a high level. So he comes in, and he hands me the award, and then he says, "And we can tell that you like it here too, and that you're really comfortable because you've gained weight since I saw you last." And so it's even hard for me to say that today. To think that someone, like a man, I was 22, a man in his probably 30s, early to late 30s, maybe your age, Michelle, 35, 36 years old. Would think that it was okay and appropriate to say that, but he did.
1: But what's so wild is look, here we are, however many years later, and, and was, the same thing.
2: That's what that's why it was so triggering when 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 that guy said it to me the other day. So I remember when he said that, I went totally blank. Literally, I it was all I could do to be in the moment. Because I totally left my body, left my mind, left everything. And I remember all I could think about was, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. And so that's all I thought about. All I thought about that day, all I thought about at night, all I thought about until I was able to figure out how to fix it. Like, because
1: he was equating your success with how you looked. Exactly. It didn't matter about anything else. Exactly. Which I think is how so many of us feel.
2: Yeah. Well, and I grew up in a, in a family with two parents that were alcoholics. So I, I had a lot of trauma um, in my life, which will be another episode, but I had a lot of trauma in my life. So what I equated that to was, oh, that's why you're not more successful I mean, when I think back, I was incredibly successful at 22 years old. That's why you're not more successful. That's why you're not happy. That's why people don't like you. I mean, it was the, uh, the constant barrage of thoughts that this is what's the matter with you. This is what's the matter with you. And back in my day at that young of age and everything, it was about being overweight. It was about being people thinking that you were fat. And I know that's a, you know, not a language that we like to use today because that's ridiculous, but it was all those things. And it was, I was obsessed with fixing it. What do I do to fix it? What do I do to fix it? And so I figured out it early on that I couldn't stop eating. Um, so I became bulimic. Well, working at McDonald's. <laughs> and working at McDonald's, yeah. No, so I, you know, and I think, you know, back then, you know, in the, in the seventies, I thought I had found the, you know, the golden nugget. I thought I'd found the, the answer to all my problems.
1: But I think too, just to interject there, it's like, time is a flat circle with that narrative because you were in your early 20s faced with feeling unworthy because of your body size and because of the judgments that someone else had placed upon you and so that you felt like you discovered some miracle miracle cure to this by throwing up your food. And I know for me, however many years later, when I was in college in my you know early 20s, that same narrative like came into play for me. You know, when I was in my dorm rooms and people would order pizza late night and we would eat, you know, a ton of food. I vividly remember someone on my dorm floor saying, well, it's okay because we can throw it up later. Yeah. And you and I had never really talked about that that much for us personally when I was in college. So I was like, wow, that's a great solution. No,
2: because I'd never shared with you my story. Right. About bulimia and... and
1: but it's just interesting to see how that um, that path is is really replicative for so many of us and it it goes beyond generations.
2: Oh, 100%. And it's still going on today. How many how many young girls come up to us after a workshop or come up to us from, or DM us on a post or something if we've talked about body image and or if I'm talking about my recovery and how many how many, I mean it's it is it is beyond um imaginable for me to think that here we are in in 2022 still young girls and still talking about body image and weight and how you're supposed to look in well, this the whole glorification model. of thinness yeah it's so crazy and so I just it it really it really it really hurts me deeply to the core because I'm so sad about it because I would have thought by now we would have figured it out as a society that this is not healthy and good for our children. Because it starts at a young age. I mean, it it, it can start at an older age, but it really just the formation of the formation of you equating that your worth, as you said, Michelle, your worth and your value and your acceptance is is in how you look is is out externally driven by other people telling you what's acceptable uh, for you to look like or for you to what and it goes you know it goes beyond that it goes beyond for what career you have. I mean, we're always allowing society to tell us what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to think and who we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be like. And yeah, it's, it. you could get me going on a rant right now because I just think it's so incredible.
1: It is. And there's obviously so many factors behind how we look that the way that we do that aren't just about food. You know, there's yeah. everything. There, there's so many things. But I think getting back to yeah, your story, story is I just wanted to say lucky for me when i was introduced to some of those habits of binging and purging you caught me once pretty early on in that because i didn't i was i was like okay this is just a thing that we that we do now um and you told me your story and you took me you told my therapist and we had to have a whole chat about you know that this this was dangerous territory and so that that nipped it that nipped that problem in the bud for me. I wouldn't say that none of that ever came up again, but it was a really big awakening for me that that wasn't a road that I wanted to go down. So I was grateful and lucky for that. I had someone that caught that pretty early on, but that wasn't the case for you.
2: No. And I think, you know, the end of my story was after six years of suffering with bulimia. And I think for people out there that aren't quite familiar with it, that it, it can start with throwing up, but then it also... It also can take a form of which for me, you know, that wasn't good enough because then I didn't think I, I didn't think it was working very well and I wasn't thin enough and someone else had probably made a comment to me or whatever. It was always externally driven. So then I started using laxatives at a huge pace. And so I ended up tucking myself into treatment in 1984. Uh, There was a treatment center in Naples, Florida that had just opened that was a, dual alcohol, drug, and eating disorders, which was like one of the first ones I think in the country. So I was incredibly fortunate um, to hear that voice within that said, you're going to die, Barb, if you don't go get help. And checked myself into treatment and went into a treatment facility for, um, it was an eight week facility, but, um, and that, that changed everything in my life. And I think it's true. What, what you just said, That idea that someone somewhere along the line we get this notion that the outside world can tell us what to do and and how to look and then there has to be some way to intercept that false really bad 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 narrative that that's true and i think treatment did that for me and and i learned um i learned yoga way back then in 1984 and meditation and mindful walking and mindful eating and and all of the things and massive amounts of therapy and group therapy so um, I think for anybody, anyone listening out there, um, you know, you're not far red. And I think that was what I learned the most in therapy because I didn't think that I was enough and I didn't think that I was good enough. So, um, it, it, it's so steeped in so many different, um, conversations that we tell ourselves that we think are true and they're not. Well,
1: and I think for you too, you had the visual of what would happen if you kept on that path yeah. with Karen Carpenter. Yes. And that was a real wake up call for you. Yeah, because there was no one, there was no big name person who had ever been impacted in such a way by eating disorders like her. And I know you really loved her.
2: Yeah, she was my favorite singer. But but I think what's so ironic about that is she was my favorite as a kid, um, and I think you know, because her songs were always so sad. <laughs> she, she
1: was, was sad. the original sad girl.
2: She's her songs were always so sad, and I really loved them so much. So, but when she died in 1983, this is what's so. Like, it's so tricky. The mind is so tricky. When she died in 1983, I remember being devastated and feeling so sad and, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But if you would have asked me what did she die of in 1984, I would not have known. Hmm. Somehow that escaped me that I was actually the same as she. I was actually a bulimic. Um, She also had anorexia, but I, I was actually the same but I think internally it was that voice that said, "You need to go get help that knew that I was the same." And then, of course, I checked myself in on the anniversary one year anniversary of her death. So yeah, I think it's it's a it's a very tricky, and it's a very, very difficult subject. And it's a really difficult thing to um, to really look in the mirror and be able to say that I am gonna die and I need to do whatever I need to do to get help and and therapy and all the things that I've been doing for all these years has been my practice. Yeah, so. and it's been
1: 37 years later, and you you took so much away from that experience, and it's shaped so much of your life now.
2: Yeah, it's who I am today, for sure, in the practice that I do and the things that we're teaching today.
3: One of the things that you talk
1: about a lot, especially from that period in your life, but I've heard you talk about it over and over, even in more recent times, is just how important it is to feel a connection with your body in, in a way that's aligned and um, makes you feel like you are tuned in to what's going on with yourself every single day. Um because it is so easy to get caught up in the noise of what you think you should look like or what you think you should feel. And you talk so much about the importance of that body connection.
2: It's so important. And I, I wanted to say one thing also that like there's no shame in any of this because the shame is huge. And I think when I think back on those days and I think back even in therapy, the hardest thing to get over is the shame. You know, like you feel isolated, you feel like you're doing something so just so gross and just the shame is really huge. I don't know how else to say it. So the shame is really big. So we have to take away the thought that there's a lot of shame in this. And so we can start to tease it apart and start seeing what are all the elements of it. And I think for me, what what I ended up really, really, really becoming very connected to was my body because I wasn't, and that may be hard to understand. I thought the body was something that I needed to manipulate and fix because it was wrong. It was bad. It wasn't acceptable. It was um, just not, I wasn't, I wasn't given the kind of body that was, that I wish that other people had been given or whatever the narrative was that my mind was saying at the time. And so I think I was so disconnected. I just thought the body was here and I had to fix it but that everything else was important because everything I did in the outside world was what was important. So when I got out of treatment and started this whole practice and started my own recovery, it really occurred to me how much all the trauma and all the shame and all of the things that I was thinking and saying to myself were affecting my body in the form of being exhausted all the time or being sad or thinking that I wasn't good enough. And all of that same narrative that I kept saying to myself, the anxiety over not being good enough, all of those things All that is stored in the body. And I think when you start to have a connection with your body and you start to be in alignment with the body, you start to realize how important it is because the body is everything. And certainly as I've gotten older, I've realized that taking care of my body is one of the most important things that I could ever do in my life. Um, And so I think having that connection in yoga was that that thing for me, Um, was being able to start a yoga practice where I could actually get connected and actually feel what my body was feeling. Because oftentimes... I would just push through and not even not even think about or not even want to stop or pause about what I was feeling. I just wanted to push through it. Oh, it doesn't matter if I'm feeling sad today. Just get over it, Barb. I mean, that's what we tell ourselves. You can't be sad today. You can't you can't afford to be sad today. You have to do this, 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 and this, or you can't afford to be uh, taking a day off, or you can't take care of yourself today. Do you know how many things you have to do? I think that whole narrative has to go out the window. And when the body is telling you to rest. You need a rest. And if that means just taking a little nap for five minutes, do it.
1: Or if it's telling you that you're hungry.
2: Or if it's telling you're hungry. Yeah. That that, that was another thing I learned in treatment. You know, that just being connected to how you're feeling. There was a there was a, a, a phrase or a synonym. If you don't allow yourself to get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Halt. Halt. When, and so if That's I one would of my favorite, it's my, it,
1: that is one of my favorite Barb knows best Isms.
2: yeah, it, it changed my life because I would often think if I was, if I was really, really hungry, I was hard. It was hard for me to function. And it was uh, people around me would like, what are you so agitated about? What's going on with you? What's wrong with you? And if I would just take a pause and think, oh, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day or whatever it is or angry. Sometimes we're angry if we don't acknowledge what the anger is. First of all, the anger is there. But second of all, what are we angry about? It gets stored in the body and we start to get a pain in the neck or we get a pain in the back or we comes out sideways and we yell at someone for no reason. Um, They just happen to be the collateral damage of our anger, of our unexpressed or unfelt anger and lonely and tired.
1: It's one of my favorite tools because at any moment you and I could say to each other, are you halty? What is it? Yeah. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's often hungry or tired for both of us. but it's a great tool because the second you can name it to acknowledge it, you can do something about it.
2: Yeah, and I think what's cool what we do with each other, which for those of you listening, if you have a if you have a buddy or like have a good friend or a buddy that you could do this with, is if I see Michelle's out of sorts on a date, <laughs> And it kind of keeps going on, maybe for an hour or two or whatever. I'll just say, "Honey, are you halty today? Are you halty right now?" And it's it's not a it's not a it's not affrontive either. Neither one no, of us I, take it. It's it really makes us pause and say, "Yeah,
1: yeah." yeah. It's it, it's cutesy enough where I don't yeah. get offended when she says that.
2: Yeah, neither one of us <laughs> do. Or you'll say, "Cause you know, mom, are you halty?" I'm
1: like, t-? "Yeah, I need to eat, or I'm really tired."
2: So it's really about checking in with yourself all the time, which we talk about a lot. and We will continue to talk about on these podcast episodes that how can you really be so connected with your body and checking in with yourself all the time? Um, You know, just for a second to say what's happening, what's happening for me in this moment.
1: And I think one of the things that is so troubling for me when I think about the conversation around bodies is for me, at least the idea that we we look at our bodies as something, like you said, to manipulate or to change or to alter or to make perfect without even thinking about or putting into the lens that our bodies are our actual homes that we live in for our entire life. They're incredible things that keep us alive, that breathe, that that help us to walk, that, that enable us to do so many things. And when we diminish the fact that that we have a body into that we need to make the body look like something that is most of the time unattainable to most people and that compare it to to these images that we have in our mind of what's perfect it's really sad it makes me sad Mm -hmm. because if you can zoom out and look at the macro of it all and say okay this is what's been told to me of what I should look like, but look at all the things that my body can do for me and how can I cultivate a feeling of gratitude for what my body gives me every single day instead of holding on to maybe some sort of negative aspect that I think it it has, you know, it doesn't look like this or it has a little extra here or... It doesn't look like this in clothes or whatever it might be in, in any given moment. But there's so much that it does do for me every single day, but we forget it. Mm-hmm. We forget all the time.
2: Well, the body is our precious resource. I mean, it. we're having this conversation right now, but it's really touching me deeply. Like It's everything. Our body is, is, and we use it and we abuse it often without thinking about the consequences of that. And so I think... I remember learning this early on in my in my recovery and studying all the great teachers and the masters of meditation and mindfulness and all the things and all the therapists that I talked to. And I remember thinking, if we could actually see the consequences of the actions that we're about to take in any situation, but in this particular moment in time, we're talking about the body, if you could actually see the consequence of... The using of the body or not taking care of it or not listening to it when it's tired or not paying attention to what it needs instead of allowing society to dictate to you what you think you should be doing, we would be so much more gentler. We would be so much kinder. We would be like, wow, because now that I'm 65 years old, I mean, when I was 22, I thought oh, the body, oh, it's just, it's just here. I didn't even know what the heck it was. I just knew it wasn't adequate. <laughs> but now it's so important. I'm thinking, what can I do to continue to strengthen my body? Cause I'm on the back, I'm in the back nine or I'm in the, I'm in the second half of life. I'm on, I'm on the way I'm working my way on the way out and I want my body to be as strong. So the body has great significance and great, um, uh, importance to me. And so I, I think if, I think if there's anything that's sacred in life, it's our bodies. The body is sacred. It is our tool for living the life that we want to live. And so I I just, I'm very passionate about helping people be more gentle and more kind and more loving and more caring and understand how great the body is and stop caring. I mean, we need to care what we look like. I'm not ever saying that. But if you think about yourself toward the end of your life, you know, if anybody out there can can visualize that, especially if you're a little bit older like I am, if you think about that... you know, when I'm, when I'm on my deathbed, do do I think that I'm going to care what my body looks like? Or do I think that I'm going to, that will be the thing that I'm thinking about? Shoot. I wish I, I wish I was 20 pounds lighter, you know, or I wish I had a smaller waist. Um, it is very interesting when you can try to bypass the thoughts in the mind that are so rampant telling you that you're not good enough and that there's not enough and your life will be more perfect and more happy and and so much more successful if you just lost weight or if you just look like X, Y, or Z. If you could really just tease that narrative apart and see, wow, how fake it is and how false it is.
1: And I think it's twofold. I mean, I think, yes, we. it's incredibly important to start to take an inventory of the things that you tell yourself about your body and the language that you use when describing your body and and how you feel about yourself on a given given day. But on the flip side, it's also important and and it's on all of us to take responsibility for the language that we use when talking about other people and when engaging in conversations with other people about appearance and body. And, you know, I never get more critiques and comments and compliments on my appearance than when I'm, when I weigh less, according to people. I'll get you know, very, you know, it's nice to see you. How's it going? I love your writing. But if I've maybe lost some weight for whatever given reason, people will, you know, rape to me. And it's an interesting dynamic, because of course, you love being told that someone else thinks you look great. But then on the flip side, it's like your your brain is running two tracks of like, oh my gosh, I look great. But wait, did I really look so bad before? Well,
2: it's like when someone says you look tired today. I mean, could there be a worse thing you could say to someone? <laughs> oh, you look tired today. <laughs> well, wow. A, do I look like shit today? or what? I mean, what are you trying to say to me? You know, it, it, it really is a tricky thing. And I think that's what I love about this podcast. I want, I think sharing with people things that we can say instead. And so checking your own language of what you say to people, I think is what you're going with this. Cause yeah. I love it. Like being really mindful about what are you saying to people? Cause I can, of, of course I've said that, Hey Michelle, you look really great today. Um, and so I've kind of shifted that over the years and I'll say, well, wow, I really love that sweater. I really love your style. Could you help me with my style a little bit? So it has nothing to do with Things that you can't control. It has thing. It has to do with things you can control. Like I could go buy a new, different kind of a sweater that might be a little bit cooler. It might be a little bit trendier. Like giving people the option when you're when you're saying something to them, because I think that's what you're trying to say. If someone says to you, "You look great today," the first thing you think is, "Well, what did I look like before?" And you have no control over any of that.
1: No, and it is up to us to change that conversation because it matters. I think. People thinking that the most important thing you can be is thin matters. I mean, there has to be a different conversation about about that and, and re-evaluating the values that go along with that to you are worthy and and valuable regardless of size.
2: Yeah, or tan. I remember I had a man say to me, I don't know, 20 <laughs> years ago. appearance, really. Um, I was at an event, and he said, this is really a bit because I think it was a, I was doing something for Ronald McDonald Children's Charities. And I remember he came up to me and he said, Wow, this is such an amazing event. This is such an important event. You must feel so proud and so happy. But I'm kind of surprised you didn't get, because I was wearing a, a sleeveless ball gown or whatever it was. I'm kind of surprised you wouldn't have gone out and got a tan first. Like, who says things like Literally. that? Literally? Yeah. It's so wild what people feel is okay to say. And the consequence that it can have on your psyche by those people saying it to you.
1: It's really it's it's so much about just we really don't have to make comments on people's bodies really ever because I don't know what's going on for you. You don't know what's going on for me. We don't know what's going on for anyone in any given moment. And it's just not necessary. And it's just not productive. I mean, I remember when we were at a workshop that we were putting on for the community and someone came up to me and said, Michelle, I didn't even recognize you because you look so skinny before we even went up to go present. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Say thank you? Yeah. So I just think that all of these surface-level comments about appearance are just so damaging and so unproductive.
2: And I think that will lead us into one of our other podcast episodes that we'll talk about and not, how can we become strong enough not to take what other people say or do personally? Of course, that's a ne- huge all, part of it. It's always about them and it's never about you, but it is it is really, really, really hard.
1: It, it's a big, big part of it, but I think, too, the whole focus of of today's episode is to just even plant the seed for people to think about how they could interact with this conversation differently and just try to get creative with how you talk to people and how you compliment people and even ask yourself why you feel the need to critique someone else's yeah. appearance <clears throat> because I know, of course, we're, it's ingrained in us, but we don't have to do it. Mm-mm. And one of the things that I really love to kind of reframe some of this conversation is to think about some things that you can say to people as a compliment that really don't have to do with appearance.
2: And that really is a compliment.
1: And that is a compliment. Because
2: <laughs> it's not a compliment when you tell someone they look, they look skinny. skinny. Or they look like they've lost they've lost weight or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite things to say to people is you're someone that I can always trust. Mm-hmm. If it's a friend and you want to... Make them feel better about your relationship, or I can be myself around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've said to me instead of appearance lately, you're like, oh, you know, your your energy is is really nice today, or, or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think I think what you're asking. You're wh- so energetic. Yeah, yeah. What we're what we're sharing with people is before you start to say something that, because I think we get the hit that that you know maybe what I'm about to say isn't. Uh, in the best interest of other people and myself. So before you say anything, just take a little pause and and make sure that it actually is a compliment and it's not something that's a backhanded um, put-down.
1: Yeah. What's what's one that you like to hear from people?
2: I like for people to say, similar to what you're saying, I like for people to say, um, I really enjoy your company.
1: I Um, learn a lot from you. I learn
2: a lot from you. Um, I feel... I feel comfortable in your presence. I feel comfortable, you know, being being in a conversation with you feels so gentle and so easy. Um,
1: I admire you.
2: You know, I, any of the things... Being around
1: that, you makes me smile.
2: Yeah, being around you makes me smile. You know, one of my favorite teachers, um, Thich, Nhat Hanh, he, Thich Nhat Hanh, he always said, um, you know, your smile makes you peaceful or does are you peaceful and then you smile. So the smile is, is really what can begin any kind of a a comfortable situation for people. So
1: yeah, those are just some examples. But I think it's it's a way for us to get more creative about how we interact with each other because it, it does matter. And I think if we're trying to create a kinder, more conscientious, compassionate world we have to start with ourselves with, of course, how we talk to ourselves, but also how we talk to other people. And this includes how we engage with people online. It also includes how we present ourselves online as far as using like filters and Photoshop and things like that. You know, it's 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 a really slippery slope. But I think the second that you can start to really own who you are and how you look and and not feel so much shame and judgment and just present yourself authentically to however you are in any given moment, you'll really start to feel a sense of freedom as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's
1: very freeing not to feel like you have to keep up.
2: Yeah, well, it starts with knowing that you're enough just the way that you are, and that's a good place for people to get um, comfortable with that you are enough and stop trying to be like someone else or stop trying to compare yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. And really be comfortable in your own skin, knowing who you are. And I think we all, I I think that is the one thing that when someone does say to me, I feel really comfortable in your presence. And that's what we want. We want to be able to be exactly who we are and be comfortable in each other's presence and, and stop with the judgments and the things that you're talking about. So hopefully that this episode will help you at least start to think, start to think differently. I know you always, you've written a great blog on that. Like, how can I see things differently? How can I start shifting my perspective just a little bit? You know, this isn't going to happen overnight, but if you can start to shift your perspective just a little bit and understanding that who you are and what you want in life really matters, that you start being who you are and, and being accepting of who you are and kind and loving. So.
1: Well, just like we've said so many times, um, you know, having the awareness is really the first step to creating some sort of positive change mm-hmm. and. Hopefully this these little tidbits can help to plant the seed to just looking at things a little bit differently in this regard, maybe catching yourself with how you talk about yourself, of course, and and how you talk about others and just really being kinder and more loving to ourselves and other people, you know, it's hard out there. <laughs> Don't no more comments about people's bodies, please. Yes. So, I think that that's a great, and I think we're going to talk about this a lot more definitely. as we definitely go down this road. So do you have anything you want to leave everyone with?
2: Oh, wow. I feel like we've, we've laid a lot out here today already. I'm trying to think of, um, I, I think just being really, I would love it if everyone just maybe took a pause and just thought about how they see themselves, how they see their body, how they how they visualize themselves in their own skin and what would it take for you to to be really comfortable in your own skin, even if it's just for a moment. And for the people that are making comments like this man the other day and like the, like the man in my McDonald's, you know, now 38 years ago and stuff, I think, or even longer ago than that. I think really trying to understand that that's, that that's not a reflection of you and that's not about you, but also maybe, maybe, finding a way. I wish back then I'd had the um, ability to say, you know, that was really inappropriate of what you just said and it hurt my feelings. And I would wish that you not do that anymore. Or even, even two days ago with that man, um, I wish I'd said, you know, I don't know where you came from with that, but I would appreciate it if you not say things like that anymore. Um, or if that's too hard to do, which that is difficult to do, just not allowing those kind of people to be in your presence. Just saying, well, that's a person that I'm not really going to... Red flag. Yeah, that's a person that I'm not going to interact with because those people do... When people are saying things like that, it does influence you and in understanding that it makes a difference in your energy and in your mood. So making sure that you're taking good care of yourself. That's that's my parting thought. Really, really honoring yourself and taking good care of yourself and really take great care of your body.
1: Yeah, because every single person is here for a reason and is precious. And, you know, it's life is so difficult. And I think the sooner we can start to be a little gentler with ourselves and our expectations of ourselves, especially physically, we can start to just really be who we are and feel that sense of freedom from a much deeper place. Yeah.
2: And live that happy, successful life that we all want to live.
1: Exactly. Great. What a great chat. I think we have lots more to say about this. We could talk for a long, long time. So we'll definitely circle back to this at some point. But I think this was really great to, like I said, plant the seed and really just open people up to that conversation that we have with ourselves and others.
2: Yeah, and let us know in the comments. You know, yeah. We'd I love think.
1: to hear your feedback about this. And of course, any other topics you'd like for us to touch on as always, please, please reach out. And of course, thank you for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate all of your support as always, if you could give us a follow on wherever you listen to podcasts—Apple, Spotify, any of the platforms—we'd be so grateful. We would also be so grateful to have any five-star reviews. We would love that. And again, please follow us on all of the social medias at Barb Knows Best Pod, at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, and please stay in touch. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here today, Mom, and sharing all of those you know, stories. It was wonderful. And thanks, thanks for always knowing best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love you all so much. <laughs> take, take good care of yourself. Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye.